Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 16 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host Wa'il and I would like to start by thanking all of you for listening and for participating. And please if you have any questions or if you uh, if you're confused about anything regarding the religion of Islam whether it, it's something that we talked about or something that we didn't talk about yet just email me at delvingintoislam@gmail.com. Again, delving into Islam at gmail.com and uh, just send me your question or send me whatever the topic that you're confused about. And inshallah, I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Um, and again, thank all of you for listening. Uh, may thanks to be, be to Allah first, then you guys. So again, thank you. Um, and with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. There has been a, a lot of... Um, interpretations of the angels uh, based on different uh, traditions and different faiths and you know some faiths they have them as uh, little kids or little children with you know um, with the wings and a halo and, and you know wearing white and um, you know um, some other faiths like for example um like the the tribe of Quraysh, the tribe of the Prophet, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, peace be upon him. The before Islam, uh, um, they used to think that angels are the daughters of Allah subhanahu wa taala, and this is of course uh, insane because we are, as we know, that the Muslims know for a fact that Allah subhanahu wa taala has no children, has no parents, no partners, no companions of any type. Now, let's understand and discuss the accurate description of the angels and the accurate abilities of the angels because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who told us uh, that kind of information we we again it's not a speculation we're not imagining things Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam told us as much as we need to know about the angels. So let's start with where do they exist? So they they exist they exist somewhere, right? Because they're not fictional uh, beings, they are real beings, right? So they actually do not exist in any other dimension. They do exist in our world. It's just we cannot see them. Again, angels are literally everywhere around us. Now, to understand this, you have to understand that the number of angels that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created, it's massive. It's massive. And and we'll talk about their numbers um, uh, later on this episode, but for now, you need to understand that it's unimaginable to a human mind to understand the number of angels that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created, the number of angels who are amongst us right now. The number of angels who are among us right now, it's unbelievable. They're everywhere around you. You just can't see them and you cannot physically feel them, right? Now, the scholars said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He created us, he put a lens on our eyes. So there's like a, a second lens that prevents us from seeing 
the unseen of this world. What does that mean? So, basically, in this world, we're not alone. We're all the humans and the animals, whatever the inhabitants of this earth. We actually have two extra species or two more uh, beings, type, type of beings or species that live amongst us. Number one is the angels. Number two is the jinn, where Satan is from. And we can't see them. They live around us. They live in our homes. They live in our cars when we drive. They're with us. They're with us at work. They're with us at a friend's house. They're with us. They are everywhere. They're in the streets. We just cannot see them because of that second or extra lens that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put on us so we do not see this world yet. Because think about it. If you actually see the angels and the jinn, what happens? Most people will believe instantly. But where is the test? If you believe because you saw magical beings or to you what seems to be you know magical beings and you know okay god exists okay i'm a believer now then where's the test then it doesn't make any sense you have to believe as if you see now allah has given us and i don't want to get into this this topic now but we, we covered it plenty of times but just to, to gloss over it allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us plenty of evidence Plenty of evidence to prove that he exists and everything he says is the truth. Now, Allah won't stoop to our level to prove everything he says. He's God. <laughs> you know, because at this point, if somebody says, oh, I want to see the angels to believe. Someone else will be like, oh, well, I want to see the jinn to believe. Uh, okay, uh, someone else will say, well, I want to see um, how the seas or the oceans are uh, are speaking to Allah or making uh, tasbih to Allah in order to believe. Oh, I want to see the moon uh, come down to, to, to believe that Allah can do anything, you know. And because we're humans and we will never be satisfied, Allah won't stoop to our level. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us certain signs that that are beyond any shadow of doubt. Prove that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created angels, jinn, and many more um, creatures. And He created us. And at the end of the day, He will resurrect us, inshallah. And we will have to um, answer to what we've done in this life. Now... It is said by many scholars, and there's a, a, a lot of, uh, a, 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 like a hadith, um, a couple of hadith from the Prophet ﷺ and certain ayahs that hints, or they hint that when we die, when we are out on our deathbed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remove this extra lens, and you will see everything. But when you see everything, you will not be able to speak of it. You basically will see the truth, but you can't say anything about it. So if somebody's sitting, you know, your family or friends are sitting around you on your deathbed, and you see the angels, you will see them. At this point, you won't be able to speak of them, because again, where's the test? 
Because if you say something like this, those who are listening will be like, oh my God. So they, okay, okay, all right, so Allah exists. Okay, okay, the angels exist. All right, let me go believe now. No, that's not how it works. Allah is fair. The people who were tested before you, you're not any better than them. So you'll be tested like they were tested and the people after you will be tested like you were tested. Now, something else we need to know about the angels that they can read our minds. Again, angels can read our minds. Because think about it. How are they going to write the good deeds and the bad deeds? Because we know that angels, every human being, every single human being on earth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has assigned two angels. One who is located on the left or on top of the left shoulder and one is on top of the right shoulder. The one on top of the right shoulder writes your good deeds. The one on top of your left shoulder writes your bad deeds. And they're of course very small and you can't even feel their weight. So now the angels need to read your mind because guess what? Think about it. Let's say that you went and you gave charity to someone, right? Now, from the on the outside, oh, you're doing a good deed. But in your mind, you are trying to show off so people could say, oh, look how generous this guy is. You have no intention of helping that poor person. All you wanted was, you know, something that was very selfish, which is people speaking or talking about you in a good way. Or you wanted to humiliate that person by giving them money. God knows. Guess who else knows? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed the angels to read your mind so they can write the good deed or the bad deed justly. It's very simple. Because again, you could do tricky stuff. Same thing. You could do something that looks like a bad deed. But you have, good in, you have good intentions behind it. Or maybe you were ignorant of it. Now, if the angels cannot read your mind, then how would they know? Right? It's very logical. Now, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but actually it's still in the same topic. As a proof of Allah's ultimate mercy, subhanAllah, as a, uh, as a proof of His ultimate mercy, when an angel, the one on the right shoulder, when he writes your good deeds, if you do one good deed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes the angel writes it as 10 times the reward. So you do one good deed, you get as if you did 10 good deeds on your book. But if you commit a sin or you commit a bad deed, it's written only as one. Please tell me, why would Allah do this if he wasn't the ultimate merciful? If mercy, subhanAllah, it's ultimate mercy coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah doesn't need to do that. Allah could be saying, oh, this is fair and square. You commit one sin, you take one, one, um, one bad deed written in your book. You commit one good deed, okay, written as one good deed. Allah, he could say that. It's very justly. But no, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing you out of his ultimate mercy. You commit one good deed with good intention, it's written as ten. You commit one bad deed with bad intention, it's written as one sin. Now, also it's important to know 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has assigned two companions to you. Now we're not now we're done talking about the two angels on your shoulders, the one who writes the the ones who write your deeds. We're over that. Now we're talking about other types of companions. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has assigned a jinn to you, which is the shaitan, the devil, who whispers bad bad things to you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has assigned an angel who whispers good things to you. And at the end of the day, it's your choice to listen to who. So for example, the angel, right, gives you good thoughts. Gives you good motivations, you know. Encourages you to do good stuff. Discouraging you from committing any sins. It's really that simple. But the jinn or um, the shaitan... Gives you, it's basically the exact opposite. It gives you bad thoughts, you know, encouraging, encourages you to commit sins and discourage you, discourages you from committing good deeds. Now, well, how would that affect our daily lives? How, how important is this in our daily lives? Well, think about it. You want that angel, that good companion to be with you all the time. And you want the bad companion, the shaitan, to be as away from you as possible. Again, it's a logical choice. But unfortunately, some people do not care. Now, here's the hadith. And this is really a very controversial. And I get into a lot of um, discussions with um, um, families and friends um, about this specific topic. And this is a very authentic hadith that the Prophet ﷺ says, لا تدخل الملائكة بيتا فيه كلب ولا صورة. The Prophet ﷺ in a very authentic hadith, he says that the angels do not enter a house that has a dog or a hanging picture or a statue of course. So either a hanging picture or a statue or both. Now, before I explain what does that mean, it, it's, it's just very clear that type, of, the angels that we're talking about is the angel, is that good companion who gives you good thoughts. We're not talking about the ones who write your deeds because they will be with you no matter what, no matter where you go. But we're talking about the one who gives you good thoughts, the one that you really need on your side. If your house has a dog in it, and that, that explains, for the non-Muslims who are listening, that explains why Muslims are not supposed to have dogs. And I'll tell you the, the, the reason why, you know, the reason behind it. And if you have a picture that is hanging on a wall or a statue in the house. Now, let's talk about the dog. So the dog basically is uh, najis, meaning it's an impure animal. Dogs are impure. They could, you know, um, have their feces anywhere. They could, you know, basically, uh, they don't need to use the bathroom, or they, know, they don't. They, they don't do like cats. Basically, They're, they do not clean themselves, and they could, you know, um, and even the, the 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 saliva of the dog is actually impure saliva. Whether uh, um, unlike the cats, their saliva is very pure, actually, and this is scientifically proven. And the problem is, anything impure in your house will um, 
undo or will uh, nullify your salah, your prayer. Because you need to pray in a place that is 100% pure. And you yourself, ha you have to be pure. So if you have a dog in the house, and this dog walks in the carpet, like, you know, on your carpet and inside the house and does whatever, how would you know? And, and you, it's just going to be a hassle to clean after the dog and know every little spot. And again, the dog's saliva. How would you maintain that? How would you, you know, it's going to be almost an impossible task to keep your house pure. A place where you supposedly pray in. There's nothing, you know, there's no like, because a lot of non-Muslims are unfortunately think that, oh, we have like uh, a thing against dogs. We hate dogs or no, we do not. We absolutely do not. It's just that simple. It's our, and this is something I, I always, I always uh, encourage uh, um, my, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam to do or to think about, which is always put Allah's commands first. Then your own pleasures. So basically, you want to have a dog. Okay, but what is more important? Praying and making sure that your prayer is accepted, is being accepted, or just have fun with a dog because, you know, it's so cute and you want to. We love dogs. We have nothing against dogs as Muslims. But unfortunately, there are impure animals. We can play with them outside, no problem, but we cannot let them have them in our homes, especially if our homes are the place where we pray, right? Now, what about the hanging picture? What about the stat? Well, the statues and the hanging pictures, basically, they're in the same category. Anything that's hanging that has a soul, the scholars kind of elaborated on the hadith, and they said, if there is a, 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 a picture or a drawing or a statue of an animal, like you see in many houses, or even of, of the family, anything with a soul in it, whether it's a real picture that's taken by camera or whether it's, it's, it's a drawing, you know, shouldn't be hanging on a wall at least uh, above eye level because it has, uh, you kind of praise it. It has like some sort of, you're, you're not supposed to have something that's more of an honor you know, or something that, because you think, oh, well, who drew this picture? You would tell yourself, right? Oh, he was an amazing artist, or she was an amazing artist. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator. Somebody who's imitating a creation by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you for a second, less than a second, believe that what? Yeah, it's, it's, it's made by this person, this, this amazing looking dog, or this amazing looking, um, whatever, um, a tiger or lion is made by this amazingly um, amazingly uh, talented artist you forgot that no the artist didn't do anything the artist literally took one of Allah's creation and turned it into a picture so you cannot glorify something like this even the same thing with your pictures. Oh, who took this picture? Who did this? You forget that Allah is the one who created the people in the picture for a second. Again, some people might think, well, this is too much, man. Really? A picture hanging? Well, again, it's up to you. 
Do you want the angel to walk into the house? Angels, by the way, and you guys need to understand this, 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 uh, this, uh, this fact. When it comes to respecting and worshiping and glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, angels are very, very conservative. They're very conservative. They are conservatives when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They love Allah like you can never imagine. They worship Allah day and night, every second of every day. Anything that's remotely could be offensive to Allah or anything that could lead to a person forgetting about Allah's um, creation or attributes for one millisecond, they totally reject it. That's why if you have such a thing in your house, to you it's not a big deal. To the angels it is. I'm not saying you committed a major uh, sin by doing this. All I'm saying is the angels won't come into your house. The one who protects you supposedly and encourages you to do good. The one you really need in your life as a Muslim or as a human being. You don't want them to come in? All right, that's that's their rule. They cannot tolerate anything when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They do not tolerate this. You want to keep it? Keep it. Good for you. So, again, the choice is totally up to you. Now, let's talk about <clears throat> angels at the time of our birth well angels at the time of our birth they have a role believe it or not yes they do have a role so after 40 days after 40 days of um, the intercourse between um, a, a husband and a wife a sperm goes inside and then it creates a clot and then the claw becomes a piece of flesh, and we know this, like you know, nutfa, nutfa, alaqa, alaqa, and mudra. So, after 120 days of this process, right? An angel comes right after 120 days, that means the baby is still forming in, in the body, right? An angel comes and blows the soul into that piece of flesh, and it becomes. A child, a baby. Then the angels, the, the angel writes four things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded them to write. Number one, how long that person would live, how long that baby would live. Number two, what kind of deeds they'll do. Are they going to be bad people? Are they going to be good people? Are they going to be Muslims? They're going to be non Muslims? They're going to be atheists? Whatever. Anything about their deeds will be written. And then their provision. Meaning their wealth. Are they going to be wealthy? Are they going to be poor? What type of money they will get? You know, all of this. And number four. Are they going to be happy? Fortunate? Or unfortunate in this life? Some people have all the money in the world. But they're miserable and they commit suicide. They will be written as unfortunate from the beginning. Allah knows that they are unfortunate. Again, that doesn't mean that Allah like loves you or not. That just means this is your test. This is what you're giving to live in this life with. Work with it. That's your ultimate test. 
So the Prophet ﷺ tells us that after 120 days, this happens. The angel comes, writes all those four things, and then your life, you know, as a human being, starts. Now let's move on to the angels during our daily lives. Some of those angels, we have, some of the angels are named Mu'aqibat. Mu'aqibat. Guardian angels. They are real, by the way. We believe in them 100%. Those angels are there to protect you from anything could, that could harm you. That wasn't written upon you. Now we have to pause here. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written upon you that you will die at a certain place, those guardians, those guardian angels will leave you be and they will let you die. But let's say that your your time is not, you know, not up yet. So you're crossing the street and wallahi, this happened to me. My dad was telling me about it. My you know, it happens it happened to a lot of people a lot of people that I know. That you'll be walking crossing the street not looking and a car comes heading your your way and the car hits you and for some reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes those, or those angels they either push you aside and you don't know how did this happen I missed this car by an inch my dad wallahi was telling me um, that he was um, uh, getting off a bus and then there was a car running speeding up and then he landed in front of the car and the car hit my dad but then my dad is like he's above 70 just to let you know my my dad put him but when this happened probably he was like 67 or something he put his hand on on the front of the car and he jumped you know he jumped and he hit the the windshield of the car but it wasn't even that bad and then he rolled you know on the floor and then he got up and you know, like, it was painful, but he didn't die. My point is. And my dad, Wallah, is telling me until they, to this day, he's like, I do not know how did I jump and how did I think that fast. Again, that was the guardian angels. Your time was not up yet. My dad's time was not up yet. But when your time comes, that's it. It's your time. Whatever, however you were supposed to die or however was supposed to, whatever was supposed to harm you that was written upon you will happen to you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, in, in the chapter of Rad, uh, Surah Rad, the thunder, uh, 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 verse number 11, he says, لَهُمْ عَقَّبَاتٌ مِّن بَيْنِ يَدَيْهُ مِنْ خَلْفِهِ وَحْفَظُونَهُ مِنْ أَمْرِ اللَّهِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning those muaqabat. Now, in the time of death also we have angels, whether the good angels the angels of mercy or the angels of punishment depending on your deeds the angels of punishment the angels of punishment when they come you will be tortured the 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 the, the, the angel of death will come and with him the angels of punishment to prepare your soul to be taken to some place that will be very very unpleasant but then if you're a believer then again in a pleasant way the angel of death will come with him, the angels of mercy, to assure you that you will be treated in the best way possible, that you can, you lived your life as a righteous, pious, or as a believer. Allah is pleased with you, and they will show you your place in paradise, in Jannah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes us from those who are visited by the angels of mercy. Amin. 
When we go into our graves, we will be visited by two scary angels. They're called, they have two names, Munkar and Nakir. Munkar and Nakir. These two angels will be looking, they will look so scary. Their faces, the Prophet was describing them, they have blue faces and wide, big eyes. And they will be very, very scary looking. And they will come to ask us the three famous questions. Again, this will all, we'll discuss this in detail in, in, in the chapter of death. But they will ask you, who's your Lord? Who is, what do you know about your messenger? And what was your religion? And based on, these are, to us right now, these are really simple questions, but of course will answer based on how we lived our lives in this life. And then we get we have angels at the end of time. You know, which is Israfil. Angel Israfil, we have his name. Israfil is the one who's going to blow into Angel Israfil has a horn with him. We'll talk about him in detail. He has a horn, a trumpet. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we speak, can you imagine this? As we speak, that angel, Israfil, has the trumpet in his hand and he's ready to blow in it. And when he blows in that trumpet, the day of judgment will take place and every living creature will die. Then we have angels at the time of resurrection. Again, when we are resurrected on the day of judgment, there will be angels who will either tell us, hey, don't worry, you did great in, this, in, in, in your past life, and now you should have nothing to worry about. Allah is pleased with you. Remember your place in Jannah. Or angels who would tell you, you are basically screwed. And finally, we will have angels who are in, in, in both places, hellfire, who will guard her, hellfire, we will have angels who will serve those who will enter paradise. They will become servant servants to us. And uh, they will be welcoming us into paradise. Inshallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes us from those who enter paradise and not hellfire. Amin. Um, thank you so much for listening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward all of you. And... Um, until the next episode, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.